Funny way you describe that game. I have the balls to go around and say, "This is the future of entertainment." Your head has to be so. You mean you're not? He's not man, deluded. I, it's just a product of him being old. I mean, really, it's he's just not very aware of his surroundings and aware of the industry. What else is there to say about it? That's heavy rain. Well, I mean, I've ragged. Oh, you on, played it. I've ragged on. <laughs> I haven't even played it. I've ragged on. Uh, did my fair share of bragging on Peter, Peter Molyneux. Molyneux. On Peter Molyneux. For his <sighs> apparent disconnectedness from the games industry. Anytime you sigh before you <sighs> are about to talk about a game, I've I've noticed that that's bad. Not going to be a good game. Well, well, what I'm well, what I'm saying about right now is Peter. What I thought in Peter Molyneux, and I'm only, I'm starting with him first because I used to think for a while I w- I thought that he was just insanely out of touch. I don't think that Peter Molyneux is insanely out of touch. I just think he has a very naive way of looking at the game industry and how games should be made. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. He just has... When he talks about things that he's doing, it sounds like a little kid talking about something they did that day. Yeah. Like, how cool is this going to be? Or how cool is this? And then this happened, and then this, and this, People have argued he's just a really good marketer. Oh, he's a great marketer. You know? Especially for Americans, because we all like his accent. That's part of it. That is part of it. I won't. And deny I won't. It. I won't deny. I mean, I didn't play Fable One. I have. I've, I don't think I've played any other Peter Molyneux game except Fable Two. It was a good game. Well put together. Had a lot of problems that he's apparently acknowledged, and he's going to change in the next one, which means it'll have whole new problems. But I just think he's not necessarily unaware, or like not. He's not unintelligent. He's just. He's naive. I think about things that he perceives as being amazing steps in game design are really just sort of neat ideas Yeah, that probably either weren't worth pursuing or they're worth pursuing and you kind of hit the limit then you should drop it. Or they weren't worth talking about right? like they were good at. Right. Uh, but uh, David Cage like you, like we started the segment out is he's old <laughs> he's old. <laughs> he's old. And I don't mean like man he's old and he's stupid I think he, sh- he is He's old, a leftover from... He's old, a much earlier time in gaming. He's old, and in the 80s, you know, when Return to Zork was like... He's old, text adventure, and it was, you know, the idea was, man, can you imagine in 10 years, we're going to be able to envision this amazing thing, Mm -hmm. and it's going to look realistic, and it's going to be like a movie. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like a movie. I think that's where he comes from. It's like, man, this is going to be like a movie that you can control. It's like a game, mm-hmm. but it's also like a movie. And to that end, Heavy Rain succeeds moderately well. It's like a TV show that I can control. It's not really a movie. Um, the, the the development of the characters, the scenarios that play out, the way the game is constructed is like a television show. It's not like a movie at all. I mean, even the angles that the camera hits do not remind me of a movie, but they remind me of a TV show. And as an experience... It's okay. As a game, it's fucking terrible. Yeah. It's not a game. It's not remotely a game. It's barely Dragon's Lair. It's awkward. It hits the Uncanny Valley a couple times, 
but I don't think it's because they hits the uncanny valley in a way that's like an accident. It's like, oh, you accidentally made this look really good. You didn't purposely make this look really mm. good. And as a really weird side note, and we talked about this with Uncharted as well, characters who have a lot of detail on their skin, on their facial texture, mm-hmm. are immediately far more believable than those who don't. So oh, by yeah. default, every old character in this game looks amazing. Oh, yeah. Real. yeah. And all of the younger characters, most of which you play as, have a really weird, awkward, like waxy mannequin quality to them. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know what that is. I'm sure there's some sort of mental term. Wonder how you combat that as a game designer, right? And that's the other thing is like, well, how do you fix that? There must be some kind of mental term that that explains what that is as to why visual sign. Maybe it's just the fact that it looks. I don't know. There's just, I don't know what it is. It's hard to explain. But uh, all that aside, the uh, the game's awkward to control. And the voice acting is subpar at best. Uh, the voice acting is laughable, man. Mostly because come on, it's so well, I'm saying it's subpar at best. There are there are some voices in there that are actually they're very obviously native English speakers mm-hmm. portraying a native American, not Native American, but an American, yeah. an English speaking person uh, that do perfectly well. They read their lines totally fine, but they're probably in the game all of about five minutes, and they they do their five minutes really well. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, Quantic Dream... And David Cage in particular have chose to hire French people to do uh, to affect English accents, or American accents, uh, terribly, terribly poorly. It's, it's bad. So I've had to approach the game as though it were a French film about something in America, and that's why everyone sort of speaks awkwardly. Does that make any sense? No, yeah, totally. I don't know why. And... That's kind of what it is. I mean, do, do, and that's essentially, and that's it's not like I have to pretend that's what it is, but it's sort of, it actually helps me digest the game just a little bit better when I sort of think about, oh, it's just a really quirky movie made by non-Americans about America, and that's why there's all these weird disconnects. The same and way you saying the word wasteland as opposed to ditch. That's oh, I heard about that. Thing I picked up on. Could have just said, ditch, alley, gutter, field. It's the same. It's dis- a weird selection of words. It's the same, like. Um, I, not disconnect, but it's the same excuse you make for yourself when you see when you play a, a video game, um, and there's particularly cheesy dialogue or particularly cheesy animation, or mm-hmm. and you say, "Oh, it's just a video game." You know that subconscious way your brain sure. reacts towards games. It's just more conscious than this because it's trying to be right for everything. It's that trying it's, to be a movie. What it's, it's trying doing to look is it's like trying to be as realistic and uh, uh, realistic as possible wide number of ways or the high number of ways in which it fails just compound upon one another as the game continues um, the pacing in it is really awkward they have scenes that are meant to develop characters that are so poorly written it's I don't know I don't know how to explain it it's just not very good it's slow and it's sluggish it controls like shit you don't walk with the stick you walk with R2 you hold it down it's like tank controls but only works you hold R2 to walk in whatever direction the character is... In whatever direction the character is already facing. To their crit... The game sounds like the future.
just amazing. <laughs> uh, this, when I was thinking a lot about Heavy Rain when it was more in the eyes of the media and I was reading a lot about David Cage and reading a lot of the things that he said in regards to Heavy Rain, it, it mm-hmm. like dawned on me. It was kind of a startling realization of how few visionaries we actually have like leading the industry mm-hmm. forward. I mean, you have to think about this for just a minute. Um, his view of the future is that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that the game speaks enough to it, but if you dissect it more, his view of the future is a mix of television, movies, and video games all into one. Sure. Which, to me, it's already happened, and that's what games have been for the past few years. Yeah. I would say Mass Effect 2 has hit hit that right on the head. Even before that, to me, sure. games like Gears of War remind yeah, me more of I an guess, action movie. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I guess Mass Effect 2 just has refined it. It's the most refined Yeah, it's just that, sure. he, what he did was take out the interaction I mean, Grand, the, Grand that Theft it was Auto better? on the PS2 was doing stuff like that. Yeah. Really working in the movie angle. I don't understand. It's just... Set pieces. I guess what I'm trying to say is his <laughs> attitude about the whole situation or, or what he viewed he was doing was... So far from revolutionary or pioneering or anything visionary. That uh, it's, it's offensive almost it, to me. Well, like I said, it's not that far removed from Dragon's Lair. Right, or, that's nice. Or Sewer Shark. Or Ground Zero Texas, or all these terrible FMV yeah, games from exactly. the early '90s when it was like, man, games aren't gonna just be like movies. We're just gonna make a movie, and you can right. control it. Hey, if you want to make <laughs> something ridiculously futuristic and cool and psychedelic and out of control, and, and something that no one's ever seen before, a novel, and something that really yeah. represents the future, take a bunch of psychedelics <laughs> and then start writing a game design doc. Sure. You know, um, step away from the television. <laughs> from the uh, TNT Law and Order reruns. Yeah. And well, remove yourself from culture to make new culture. That's the only well, way you're going to make anything worthwhile. What, what's weird about... Um, I can't and, believe that, like, man. Like, we, we already touched on it, but what's weird about Heavy Rain... One of the things that's weird about Heavy Rain is that the game does its damnedest to be as real as possible. Case in point, I'm going to ruin a scene in this game I don't think anybody cares. I don't. I'm not going to play It's really it. not worth playing. It's worth maybe watching someone play it for an hour just so you can see how awkward it is. But there's a scene in the game where I'm playing this reporter in her apartment. And uh, she basically she suspects that someone is in her apartment uh, and is going to hurt her in some way. Mm-hmm. She goes to uh, She goes to lay down to go to bed and you're meant to feel like she's having a weird feeling about something in the room. How are you meant to feel that? Uh, just like an awkward camera angle outside of a window. You know, like the typical okay. like Jason Friday the 13th type thing. Okay. Um, so you, you get back up out of bed. There's no clue as to what you're supposed to do. Uh, so eventually I figured out that I was supposed to go sit down at my computer. Or at her computer. And she types at it for a few seconds. And then she gets bored with that. And she gets up. And... Um, I walk to the front door. Oh, she hears a noise. The camera sort of looks at the pants of the front door. I go to the front door of her apartment. She opens the door. Nobody's there. She turns around, and the refrigerator door in her kitchen is open. And she sees a shadow, like, running across the hall. Okay. Realistically, you turn around and leave. (laughs) 
Right. Like, it's obvious that you're... Like, I knew as soon as I saw it, and my, my girlfriend was sitting next to me because she wanted to see this game. She thought it looked really interesting. Like, she goes... <laughs> it happens, and, like, I'm standing there with the character, and the camera's just sort of, like, lazily kind of swaying behind me to kind of sort of simulate, like, a handheld thing, I guess. Yeah. And I'm just staring at the kitchen, at the fridge door that opens, and my, my girlfriend goes, Really? And I, I look over and I go, what? She goes, all right, obviously they want you to go close the door so that the rest of the game can happen, right? I go, yeah. She's like, do you think you can do anything else? I was like, I don't know, let's try. So we spent at least five minutes going around the apartment. That's really funny. We went into every room. We went into the bathroom. We That's really bathroom. funny. That's really funny. We like tried to interact with every possible thing in the, in the apartment. That's really funny. I couldn't do anything but interact with the refrigerator door. I wonder how many people tried to break this game like that. To close it. And I was like, and as soon as it closed... Q combat scenario or Q combat QTE. That's really funny. Had 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 I not been at least a little bit invested of my time into the game, I would have quit right there. But now I just want to see. Uh. Now I gotta see through it, see <coughs> through to the end because I put so much time into it. But that, like right there, is indicative of how the entire game works. That's the future of games. <laughs> Well, it's just weird because the designers give you freedoms and then take them away from you. Like, there's no consistency to the amount of freedom they want you to have. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I understand to make the game more interactive, you have to allow for scenes where you're walking around observing as the detective things to pick up and do and investigate, right? Right. Um, you have to have, like, that ability to walk around and explore things. But then in a situation like that where you have to do something to cue the next scene... Right. Your ability to do things that you did earlier is is limited. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that disparity between the game at those two points is, I think, what makes it so awkward. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know how you remedy that other than by not making that kind of game ever again. <laughs> so I think that's it. Uh, or, um, you just have to take away. I. I don't know. I think. I think maybe that sort of experience requires a bit more understanding of games and movies than anyone at that studio had. Well, I think Because, like, we talk about it, and neither of us are in game design, but we are able to recognize the flaws in this game, and everyone else in the industry has been able to recognize the flaws in this game, of which there were many. So I don't, I don't quite understand, like... <laughs> it doesn't... I mean, people should really walk away from this game not, not, not saying, like, oh, Heavy Rain sucked and it was a failed experiment, because those things are true. But this game spoke way more about David Cage and that production studio than it did about the future of the industry and that right. moving or moving in that direction. All I learned was that he wasted a lot of time and a lot of money, and someone else should have gotten that time and money to make a better game. Seems like it. Maybe I'm just the wrong person for that game, that experience. I refuse to believe that. That there are wrong people for... No, I refuse to believe that you're the wrong person for that experience. I, I, I don't think that you should even consider that for a moment. Who else is that game for, really? I don't know. Nobody else. I don't know, because because uh, I thought about it. It's stupid, it was... because that game was basically made for hardcore game critics. I mean, tch, there's no one else. Oh, that yeah, was, sure. Yeah, at this yeah, weird yeah, time in technology, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's made for us, so you'd you'd expect it to have been made <laughs> with yeah. a more discerning eye. Instead, it's like laughable. 
<laughs> so I just yeah. it's it's just a, an aberration in the flow of reality in the video game zone. <laughs> Also was uh, I've been playing uh, 3D Dot Game Heroes, and I, I've I put a couple hours into it, and I've really been struggling about what I could say on this game, other than what everyone else in the entire world has been saying about it. Yeah, it's Zelda. I mean, it's the original Legend of Zelda, and I'm saying that as somebody who didn't even play the entirety of the original Zelda or really any of the other games in the series other than Ocarina. I played Wind Waker a fair bit, but I got to a point that I just didn't feel like doing what the game was asking of me, and I said, forget it, and I never touched it again. I guess the only way to talk about this game interestingly is to talk about it from a technical standpoint. I mean, yeah. that's because it's made, again, like for a really insular group. And uh, it does what it does well because it's a parody, homage, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But I mean, what do you think about like the graphics and stuff? Because to me, it looked like. The, I mean, the main reason I was attracted to this game from the very beginning was the look of it. Um, yeah. Despite the fact that it's an obvious homage, it's got such a unique look. Sure. Um, that that drew me in right off the bat, and it's I saw you play it today, and it's just as good as basically I thought it was going to look. Mm -hmm. um, tons of little flourishes, tons of little touches. To me, speaks a lot about the developers when they include so many little details. It's my favorite thing about video games, and it looks like this game has tons or enough or more I, than one. I th I I like it because it's sort of a weird. It's not even like a... Gosh, I don't know how you could say it. It's not even like the end of a thought trajectory. It's like... The the look of the characters in the game world itself mm -hmm. uh, affect an 8-bit style. Like, there's only so many... you know. And if you look at any of these characters or any of these items in the world from one of the four cardinal directions, it's going to look like a sprite from an 8-bit game. Right. But then they have, like you said, all these touches, like the lighting touches, and when you use a candle in the temple, it's not like a blocky, although that would have been kind of funny, but all of the lighting in the game is though it were like the newest action game on the PS3. Right. The little spark, the little like flash of light that happens when you kill an enemy, uh, the way the water, ref the water reflections affects play on the objects in the game world. It even has like that uh, that water reflection effect, you know, like the you know the wavy white lines that kind of pass sure, over yeah, everything. Yeah. It behaves realistically overneath, over top these incredibly pixelated models. Um, Which to me gives well, I mean, to me that gives the game a lot more of a of a toy look. And I mean, that's what's weird about the game is that it's like it's an obvious homage to old video games, mm -hmm. but at the same time, they're going for like a really apparent these objects are real look through the lighting and oh, through yeah, the fact yeah, that they sure. call back to Legos. Yeah. Um, well, like the way that when you kill an enemy or you destroy a, destroy an object in the world, the way the 
I guess, voxels that make up that object uh, bounce around and, and spread across the surface of the of the game world <clears throat> in a in a noticeably I don't know how to word it. It, it it looks very fluid it's like water they look like droplets of water almost yeah. and it's like their animation is almost better than it should be oh, yeah. for the game like, totally like, man that looks really good right 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 it looks like a like a tech demo right right almost right. like we have like little you know the cubes falling over other cubes so it's not even like what I was. What I'm getting at is it's, it's almost it's like you said it's an homage, but it's also like a style. Yeah. It's like a purposeful style of like, game objects and game world look, dated but not just in three dimensions, and all of the effects that these things are wrapped up in, look like they'd come from the newest game on the on the latest system. Right. Do you think that that look like a. Say, for example, that what you just described is mm -hmm. the beginning of a new look in the video game industry. Mm -hmm. Like, say, a, a bunch of new games are going to start doing this, which I think is really possible because this, this game is successful on a few different levels already. <laughs> but um, say that say that was the future. Yeah. Do you think that it's going to evolve in its own way? Or it's going to continue to look this very specific way? That, that's kind of a hard question, I guess, or it's a poorly worded question. That's what makes it difficult. Um, in other words, say they made a sequel to 3D.GameHeroes. Yeah. Uh, do you think that the graphics engine is going to improve and that they'll start including more flourishes and more graphical touches outside of the models and the lands and everything else, which, like you said, are just callbacks? So you're saying if, like, if they added in like weather effects... Sure. But the rain wasn't like blocky rain. It looked like realistic yeah. rain with water that trickled. In other words, the way that you differentiated between uh, well, what you said when you said um, the game has old school character models mm -hmm. and objects that harken back to those days. But everything else in the game is, is up to date and realistic. Uh, I just, I guess I wonder if I if you're going to see that applied to more genres. And if it does get up, they're going to make other aspects that aren't related to the retro appeal. Uh, if those aspects of the game design and the graphics are going to improve over time with technology, you know what? I don't know. I could see that. I could really surprisingly difficult question to word for some reason. I know. Probably because I'm playing Jet Mode and falling on a thousand foot <laughs> dam in a swamp. I could down. see them doing that because the animation in the game is. Um, I could see them sort of maybe expounding or expanding on the animation aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, like perfect. making it more in. Uh, God, what's the word? Detailed, I guess. Just adding more frames of animation in there. Like, if they made a sequel to this game, logistically from the plot of the game, which is the game knows it's a game, or I don't know, if they never they never outright say it's a game, but the plot is essentially that at one point Dotnia was a two dimensional world. Uh. And I can't remember in the intro if they said game or not. But essentially what, what happened is that people stopped playing 2D games. So people stopped coming to Dotnia. So the tourism like went down. So the king made a proclamation that the, the kingdom will just convert itself to three dimensions. As if they can do that whenever they feel like. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny that, that they just made the decision to do it. I wish we could convert ourselves to the fourth dimension. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny that that... They just made the decision to do it. Um, and then in, in classic... 8-bit gaming story conventions, uh, an evil wizard uses this opportunity of being in three dimensions to steal some sort of dark orb that threatens the kingdom. 
That's really it. There's really no other explanation given, very or very much explanation given. So if they made a sequel to the game, I think I think the most obvious thing they would do is make it look like a 16-bit game as opposed to an 8-bit game. So yeah. the sprites would get a little more detailed. Uh, and I think I think I would really like that because for some reason seeing these seeing these uh, these characters in 3D game heroes as 8-bit sprites rendered in three dimensions there's something about them that it's a novelty and it's cool to see, but at the same time, something about it bothers me. Really? Like, the simplicity of it. I don't know. There's just something about it that's just sort of weird. And I kept thinking, like, you know, I think this would look that much more interesting if they were doing 16-bit sprites. Yeah. As opposed to 8-bit sprites. And I, I would like to see, I mean, if they made this into, like, a series, like, 3D dot something something. Sure. And it's just a bunch of different, you know, 3D dot. Fighters. Shoot them up. And sure. it's like a Gradius homage. Great. I think that'd be pretty Sold. sweet. Yeah. I've already bought it. Right. Yeah, I would be. I would really be down for that. But uh, I think what I take away from the game so far is that I don't think From Software gets the credit it deserves as a developer. No. I really don't think Try they Ninja do. Blade. What's that? Try Ninja Blade. Beat Viking. That ending was pretty lackluster. Oh my god! <laughs> <sighs> yeah, Viking. I don't want to talk about anything else other than that. The only thing that bothers me about the fact that you beat Viking is that uh, you got a thousand points in it and I didn't, and now I'm going to be forced to play through the whole fucking game again <laughs> on hard just to get those thousand points. <laughs> Is that all you played? Fucking Jet Moto. Uh, uh, more bullet wit. That's it. <laughs> Great. I'm almost done with that. I'm almost done with my tour of duty. I was going to say, that this is your hell. last tour of duty. Great, I played some games. You played at least one game. I played Wanted, thanks to Joe, who's maybe listening to this, playing, I don't know, 3D Dot Game Heroes. Oh, probably playing Red Dead, but anyway, I played Wanted, which... Uh, Wanted is an interesting game. I uh, Originally, when I got the demo for it, I uh, really, really dug it. And I thought it was one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen. I, I had ever seen. Um, the graphics at the time kind of blew me away, and the animation kind of blew me away. And of course, they Grin put in the demo up front their airplane level, which is probably the most striking level in the game. So, good on <laughs> them. Smart move. Um, you know... Everyone talks shit about Grin and, and discusses them, or when they do discuss them, they talk about them like they're a really bad developer. And there are there are definitely some things that they do as a company that don't make sense, game design wise. I must have missed the memo because I don't really know why people talk about them like that. Well, it's because of it's because of Bionic Commando and, and Wanted really. And Wanted isn't a terrible game, nor was it reviewed really poorly. Most of the reviews just hit on the fact that Wanted was a really short game, which it is. It's a yeah. really short game. Now that it's ten dollars. Sure. If you want to go buy it on Amazon, check it out. But um, 
it's a grin game through and through, and what I mean by that is there are aspects of it that are designed really brilliant. Uh, for example, the menu system. Aesthetically, it looks really sick to me, and so did Bionic Commandos. Um, but there are some aspects of the game that are ridiculously obtuse from a design standpoint. <laughs> like, in Bionic Commando, for example, I know you didn't play the game, but there is inside the game an achievement system. It's a challenge system, okay? Right. And that challenge system is hooked, uh, hooked into the achievements. Right. Now, there are maybe like 50 achievements that are related just to this challenge system, each one of them worth five points, you know? I know that makes 250, whatever. The point is that the way they set this up in the game is that you have to go through the game and do everything basically in one run if you want to get all those achievements. Mm -hmm. um, they did the same thing with the collectibles in the game. If you want to collect everything in Bionic Commando, despite the fact that you can reload checkpoints, yeah, anything you do during those playthroughs won't affect your collection of the items. So basically, if you want to collect all the items, you have one shot to do it. It's right. on your playthrough of the game. Right. If you don't do it the first time, great. You can start the entire game over again. And try and collect every item. Yeah, Dante's did the same thing. Dante's did the same fucking thing. That's very true. And that's <laughs> the reason I don't have a thousand points in it. And uh, Wanted does the same thing. And Wanted does something that's even worse. Is It's a really short game. It's only about... I don't know, I'm going to say four hours. Um, and that's being generous. It's only about four hours, and over the course of that short gameplay time, you level up your character significantly in significant ways. And the reason you level up as the game goes on is because it's sort of tied into the story. You're leveling up in training, that is. Mm -hmm. um, so once you beat the game <clears throat> and you're done with it, you're at a point where your character should technically have a lot of abilities. If you want to play through the game again and you load it up, you have none of those abilities because they're tied into the story. You have to start over pretty much nude. Right. And a short game typically wants a lot of replay value. Yeah. And this is, I don't know, do you realize a terribly severe handicap <laughs> to replay value? Um, it's just a weird grin thing that they do. I, I don't really understand it, but there are plenty of amazing things about Wanted. Probably the most amazing is the cover system, which is surprisingly fluid and works surprisingly well. For probably being, the best. I, I mean, I played it. It's one I, of the best. I played that, maybe it was like a level and a half I probably got, I went through. Yeah. I mean, I would say... I would say without an argument right up front that it's probably the best cover system I've ever yeah. used in a game. Moving between objects is really easy. It's fluid. Um, the symbols on screen, they tell you what you're doing, make a lot of sense. Everything just makes a lot of sense, and it, and it works really well as a gameplay element. And you know, Other aspects of that game, the game's at times like breathtakingly brutal. You know, and that's one of the things, one of the only things the game has going for it. Um, just how violent it is, right? Yeah. I mean, that's 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 what at least leaves the biggest impression on you, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of little touches, specific character animation outside of the cutscenes, actually during the gameplay. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like if you're behind, if you're behind cover, and someone's firing at you, but not hitting you, just hitting the cover around you, your character model, your character will react to those bullets probably yeah. like a real person would you know they'll yeah. twitch or flinch uh, those little touches are really interesting it just sucks that 
it sucks when that sort of touch is in the middle of a bunch of other absurd touches because it loses all gravity and, and sort of gets totally unnoticed. The next game on my play is going to be Bionic Commando, which is something that I never thought I would say. Because when I got done with that game, I swore it off for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's one of the most... I, I don't know. I just remember... It's... Is that game frustrating because it's bad, or is it frustrating because... That game is could, just frustrating. Because it could be so much better than it is. I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh... Like, but I mean, I mean, you could say that about any game. Like, this game no, could be Sean, better than it is, but there's, there's, there's games that have, like, it's like anything. I man. can't believe you stopped at here. If you just went this it. much further with your idea, would be there's that to it. But I, I mean, beyond, or aside from that, I think the thing that is most interesting about it is the fact that the swing mechanic is so fucking fun mm -hmm. that if I brought it over here and set it up and just got you into one of the larger levels and killed everyone. Yeah. So that there was nothing to do but swing around. Yeah. You would probably have some of the most fun you've ever had in a video game. It's like <laughs> it's it's that good and it's that fluid and it's that intuitive, but there's a really steep learning curve to it and it's all the things that people have said about the game already. Before. So they probably spent most of their time on the swing mechanic. Guaranteed. Finessing the swing mechanic. Guaranteed. But um I mean aside from that, the game has Lots of cool throwback sequences, and there's a lot of cool things about it. And the graphics are really good. It's well, there are aspects of the graphics that are really good. It's, it's a lot like Wanted, but it's just been so long that I totally have. I know, I know, and then deep down in my heart, I know. My somewhere in the back of my brain, yeah, my pain center is saying, <laughs> no, 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 no. We've been through this before. <laughs> you left a bookmark back here to remind you to never play that game again. What are you thinking? And uh, I don't know. It's it's something about Grin's games. They they kind of appeal me to me in a weird way. I guess I just like bad games. I guess you do too. Maybe, Maybe they're just growing on you in the same way that it's like Kavia. Yeah, I guess. Or Sandlot. Right. Well, I mean, I just like a challenge, regardless <clears throat> of how masochistic it is. You know, I, I, or what or why it's a challenge. Or why it's a it's challenge. It's either a challenge because the right. game is genuinely complex and difficult to master. Right. <clears throat> because it's got a lot of thought put behind it. Or right. it's a challenge because the game is so broken. And I mean, <laughs> that's could be viewed as a flaw in my personality. And it could say a lot about me like, hey, you're wasting a lot of your time. But I think it also leaves me as someone who appreciates games more than most people. Because I know I'm playing through them all. Even the fucking terrible ones. Right? Yeah, I don't know what it is about a terrible game. I would game. like to know how many people who reviewed Bullet Witch actually played through it or put as many hours into it as we have. It's just that I find that you find the same yeah. thing. I know that, you know, the further or the longer we play games, the more we find redeemable in them. Sure. And who isn't sick of being the, like, nihilistic, just angry fucking gamer? Isn't that old by now? Yeah. Is it an age thing and I've just grown out of it? Or mm, is it really... No. It's not an age thing. I'm sick of it, man. I'm sick of it <clears> in not journalism. Thing, there are plenty of our there are plenty of our I don't know, quote, contemporaries 
who get paid to do things like this, who are just some angry, jaded motherfuckers. I totally agree. Clear out some levels. I'm like, I've probably spent, I've easily spent 130 hours playing EDF. You probably more because you've done it four times, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the person was just like, "That's insane." Like I can't. And it just, I thought of, it took me aback for a second. Like, yeah, I guess. It kind of is insane. I guess on the outside, it is pretty insane. On the other hand, we know more about the EDF universe than most people do. Sure. But if it's a universe that I want to spend my time in, I don't don't really view it as insanity. Bad games or, or, I guess I should say either bad games or games that pretend to be bad because. <clears throat> I've really been wrestling with the. Wait, possi- not to stop you short, but that's possibly. that's possibly a podcast discussion. you're one of those readers who didn't understand what I was writing. Yeah, I didn't like when he said that either. I don't have like a reading comprehension problem. I can't read things you don't write. <laughs> that's a better way of putting it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. He definitely didn't. I mean, that's it's definitely his fault and not yeah. being able to express what he meant to say or not realizing right. that he wasn't saying what he meant. I don't know. But there was some... I, I mean, like I looked at the article and I, I sort of picked up on three interesting things mm-hmm. that I wanted to talk about because... Regardless of whether or not I agree with his redefined or revised version of the article, right? There were some pretty interesting things that he brought up, and one was the notion that developers are sort of—we're coming to this point in time when developers happen to be in sync with most of the audience. I thought it was pretty interesting that that notion, because uh, you and I have talked about that before. Yeah. I, on or off the podcast, I don't even remember anymore. Lines are so blurred. But uh, I think I found it interesting that someone in a major position at a major magazine is putting that out there. Yeah, I don't think he's wrong. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with him, and I don't think he's wrong. It's mm-hmm. just that I don't think that necessarily speaks to what type of games need to be made. Right. Which is kind of what I think he was inferring or implying. Sorry, implying. Um, you know him noticing that is a product of the fact that he is one of those people and he's of that age sure just like we noticed it we're kind of of that age or kind of of that demographic but <clears throat> I was thinking about something that kind of uh, changed things up a little bit 
I mean, you realize that the people who have those jobs who are that age are going to be working for larger companies, right? Right. And they're going to be producing larger titles with bigger budgets. Right. And, yeah, those are going to be the kind of people who are going to be worried about uh, the length of the games for various reasons, for budgetary reasons, etc. But an increasing number of games are being made by younger people. Mm-hmm. In, in other words, like every successive generation is able to do way more because of technology than the last. Right. And uh, soon, and by soon I mean within the next couple of years, I don't think it's going to be ridiculous to assume that much smaller teams of much younger people are going to be making much more complicated games. Right. And uh, what about them? I mean, these people are going to be the kind of people who have the time to play the games making games for people who want to play longer games. Basically what I'm saying is games are going to move from sort of a um, an elite place on the shelves of stores to a much more widespread musical thing, if you will. You know what I mean? Like there's various places you can find all kinds of music. Right. Uh, we were listening to Autica earlier. Not something most people would want to listen to. But a certain select group of people know where to find it. It's not a Walmart. Right. And technically, it's a lot more in-depth. And there's there's a lot more depth to it sure. than your average album. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always going to be, I think, a place for really long games. And him talking about the market being really similar in age to the people making it. I don't really think that means too much. I just see it as a symptom of what's naturally going on. I mean, I think that games are going to be moving really... I think they're going to be turning into movies a lot more. Like, if you follow the trajectory of the film industry, and you follow the trajectory of the game industry, yeah. at least in the West, it seems like they're destined to meet within like the next five to ten years. And I think like Avatar really accelerated that. Meeting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that the games industry is talking about how they want to make smaller, more concise experiences that are more direct and, you know, storytelling and front-loaded and more like movies. Right. And the fact that the movie industry is saying, you know, we want to make more fantastic, graphical CG things. Yeah. It seems like they're destined to meet at some point. And when they do, I don't think that they're going to be making anything similar to what you and I would consider a game. Nothing that I would want to play. Nothing that you would want to play, I don't think. No. No. It just seems I like mean... they're excising the games from video games. You know, we've basically grown up with the people who create the entertainment we, we consume. Like, the people, you know, these game designers are our age, grew up with the same influences that we have, or roughly thereabouts. And he was making the, the the claim that you know since people have got since we're now older we have less time to play these games or we're less, we're less willing to put the time in. I don't think that's necessarily true, and I don't think you can generalize the population that way. I mean that's like I grew up I grew up playing games. I'm going to make time to play them. Yeah, me too. I feel you the know? exact same way. Like I'm just gonna 
I don't know. I don't feel that games are too long. It's just that it's it's how I choose to put my time in. It's like, do I want to spend the next 300 hours that I will spend gaming playing one game, or do I want to spend it playing six games? Sure, yeah. It's not any different to me. So I don't think they necessarily need to be... I don't think the, the, the length of a game is a problem with the games industry. The other thing that he was talking about is he said that they were too hard, and I was sort of... Up front, you think about... He's talking about just sheer difficulty. Mm-hmm. But I think when, when he was making the point about games being too hard is that they're too... <sighs> cryptic for the average person to get into. Yeah, I there's guess. there's definitely a game language. Girlfriend game conundrum. Right. She doesn't know how to beat a boss when it's really obvious to you. I don't really see that as a problem either. Like, I really disagree that games are too hard. Now, of course, I'm saying that as someone who's been raised on games, I know the game language. You know, I know there's a lot of games I can pick up and figure out things about them without ever looking at the instruction manual or an FAQ online because that's just how games are made. That's the kind of uh, tricks and and tools that game makers use to create games. But, I mean, it's like saying that it's too hard for everyone to play baseball because you have to have athletic prowess right. to do it. Yeah, I totally agree. That's a, what that I totally agree. What I was going to say is that um, the people with all the money, these studios are right now at the forefront of development. They're making the most interesting games, the best games. They're pushing the boundaries of the medium. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we should limit them to the mainstream who aren't even in, really involved in the medium when in a relatively short period of time that group of people who have no under, who have very little understanding of the medium right are going to be gone. I mean, not to be blunt, but <laughs> people are going to die and I don't see it's, it seems to me like wasted effort to put that much effort into appealing to those people. Yeah. Um I would much rather have people focus on pushing the boundaries of the medium and video games have always been about novelty and there's been something that's been sort of like (sighs) something since I was young I I recognize in games there's there's a something very human about the desire to just like push the boundaries of the graphics and the gameplay and, and you know every iteration of a series has to be better than the next and even more so than movies or anything. There's just like such a, an obvious uh, way to measure the progression of games mm-hmm. that there's so much focus put on it. I, I really don't want that focus taken away and have them dumbed down for people who uh, don't really care about that evolution. Kind of like what Garnet Lee had to say about th- this article, um, and that he felt it was, in his words, it was a bullshit way to go about solving the problem, and that his his argument was that there are systemic level problems in the way the games industry inherently works. First, he was, oh, they brought up Valve, and they're saying, well, Valve kind of tried it with the episodes of Half Life and 
they've they've dropped the ball, but it's not it's not necessarily because of the games industry. It's because they're just really slow to develop, apparently. Uh-huh. And he made the point that no developer has really been able to successfully do it, which is wrong, uh, because Telltale Games has made inroads into episodic gaming with their episodes for download for Tales from Monkey Island and Sam and Max and stuff. And the reason that they're successful is because they're operating, it's like you were saying, like Altecker, they're operating at a level where the people who want to seek out the additional episodes for those games know where to find them, uh, will pay the price that's being asked to, to experience those pieces of entertainment. And it's a perfect balance of the effort and the money required to produce that content. Is it exactly the level to where they can charge a price that people feel is fair? Okay, out of everything you just said, first, like, I wanted to talk about how he was suggesting that, you know, episodic or modular gaming is, is the future. Would be the way to, to remedy this problem of games right. being too long. Right. So, um, you know, I don't totally disagree with that, but I, I think if you think more long-term, you all realize the fact that uh, trying to make video games more like television mm-hmm. is more of a symptom of the fact that television is to a large extent disappearing i think yeah and within a generation i think it's going to be totally gone yeah and the time that people would have spent trapped in those worlds <laughs> they'll spend trapped in video game worlds sure and so i think episodic gaming is just uh, transitional um it's not the future forever nothing is obviously but i, I don't th- i don't see it as a long-term solution to the games industry i think it's it's happening because we're a generation who was raised on television, and as the mediums merge, um, obviously they're going to take on aspects of one of each I other. I think it does the games a disservice to try and shoehorn shoehorn them into a model. Oh, it does a tremendous amount of service. I totally agree. To shoehorn shoehorn them into a, a model of distribution and consumption that is, quite frankly, the basis of an aging, dying medium. It's antithetical to video games, which are very progressive, in, in my speaking. Yeah. And, yeah, it is kind of insulting. I mean, it's it's basically putting... I don't know. I, I don't think that... I think the most important thing, obviously, in the world is for a person to be honest and, to themselves and to their uh, artistic vision, whatever that is. And, you know, to a large extent, video games have... Or video game designers have been able to be pretty true to their artistic vision. <laughs> but the more restrictions we place on the medium, like whether it be how we're we're giving it to the people, like which stores are selling them, um, if they're coming out in episodes. We're putting all these weird, restric- weird, weird restrictions on the visions of these game designers. And I don't know, as technology allows for more and more things to be done in video games, it seems like the industry is trying to allow for less and less experimenting, which yeah. makes such little sense with video games. It's, it's just... It's the very opposite of everything that I've always loved about video games and how progressive they were. Um, and, and that just speaks to the fact that I think businesses should be removed from the equation, which I think connects to the other part of what you were just saying when you were talking about that um, system they had set up. Do you remember the magazine that I showed you? Or we both found it, I think, at the same time, that EXP? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the website that he used to fund the next issue? I remember it. I don't remember the name of it, but I remember what it was. Well, for those listening, there is a website out there, I know because I've seen it, that I'm referencing right now, but I unfortunately don't remember the name of the site. But what the site allows for is for people to propose 
a product, whether it be, you know, a run of shirts, a run of posters, um, a television show, whatever. Right. Um, and lay out sort of a design document and basically ask people who want to see that product get made to contribute towards, to contribute actual money towards its production. Yeah. And I think, personally, that is the, the perfect future for games. And Farb's who did Captain Forever, I think was one of the first people to do it. And if not him, that guy who made the, uh, who's making the indie game called Love. I think his name's Eskiel. Eskiel oh, yeah. Steenberg. Yeah. Yeah, they're very far ahead of everyone, in, in my eyes. Um, because, I mean, in the end, everyone's favorite games, by the time they get old, are going to be shuffled into obscurity by the evolution of the medium. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, shmups are my favorite genre, but they're almost dead. And thanks to digital distribution and all of the amazing infrastructure technology has afforded people, mm-hmm. um, I think it's really possible and probable for the industry to move in a direction where games are being directly funded, talked about, uh, critiqued, everything by the fans, by the people who are actually going to play the game. Like, I myself would not be opposed, in fact, I'd really like to fund the next treasure game and I know it doesn't cost as much as an Uncharted but that's great because I don't want an Uncharted Yeah, I just see that as the direction things should be and, and will be going which is great because it's the removal of the middlemen the brokers of creativity who really don't contribute anything Another part about that article was interesting to me is the the claim that generally five percent of people complete a title, complete a game, and I guess from this uh, these trajectory pieces of code that companies have put into their games, that I assumedly from the article because he really just glosses over it, assumedly are in a lot of modern games and. Just you're not made aware that there's information being transmitted from your system to some sort of reception, you know. Right, which was interestingly enough. Piece of hardware. I never even thought about it, which is surprising to me because I don't know, usually I'm kind of aware of this sort of thing. This is my this is my hobby. Yeah. But I'd never even have you had you thought of that before you'd heard that? For some reason it had totally slipped under my radar the the idea uh, there, that I was being tracked for that sort of thing. There was an article not too long ago at least within the time that we've done the podcast, because I think I almost brought it up at one point. But there was an article not too long ago that, um, and I think Peter Molyneux was involved with it, either was interviewed or or had something to do with it, or at least Fable was a part of it, um, that he was using uh, the achievement data for Fable 2 to make decisions about what he was going to do for Fable 3. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that in Fable 2, a variety of achievements are awarded for doing a lot of extraneous tasks. Sure. As well as basically completing the main story. And he was using those achievements to see that a lot of people didn't finish Fable 2. And a lot of people didn't explore all of the additional features that were in Fable 2. Uh-huh. And I guess since then he's made the, the decision that that was largely in part due to the clumsy interface of the game. 
and the lack of proper explanation for certain mechanics, etc., etc. So I guess I just, my, my brain sort of looked at that and went, oh yeah, okay, companies could easily just look at achievements and go, you know, 80% of people have not obtained the achievement for beating our game. I realize that too, also. Therefore, yeah. we can just safely assume that only 20, you know, every one in five people actually finished this game. It's the actual telemetry code that they were talking about that I was like... But I guess, right, kind the, of the discussion the discussion that this this code could be sending out, you know, every time you die and where you died... Right. And how? As well as, you know, what areas of the game are you spending the most time in? What activities are you doing the most? What choices are you making more often than others? Depending on what the game is. Mm-hmm. You know, what weapon... You know, it's and it's weird because Bungie does it with Halo. Mm-hmm. Has those heat maps on right. levels. But for some reason, my brain never leapt to think that other companies are doing it as well. They're just not making right. it publicly known. Um... I was thinking about this also, and I had the question, do you think that this sort of feedback process is necessary in game design, in the future of game design? Because a lot of people talk about it like it's necessary, and from a business standpoint, I can understand how a business would think it's necessary. Because your goal is to try to appeal as many, to appeal to as many people as possible so you can get the most sales. But, I don't know. There have been plenty of giant strides in game development and design as a beast's evolution. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's gone on fine by itself the past twenty years without any sort of uh, feedback. So I just wonder to myself. I think is it's it really necessary. I think it's a disingenuous way of obtaining data about how. Because there could be a, people could be behaving a certain way in your game for a variety of factors that you can't track with numbers. Yeah. It could be that for some reason your game makes them behave this way in this game, but not another game. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, they're having a bad day, or something. There's just a variety of things I think could inter- interfere or influence what somebody does in your game. And then if you take that and say, oh, look how people played this game, let's capitalize on this. And then in the next game, you capitalize on whatever that it, whatever that information has bore out, and it ends up blowing up in your face because people did it as something funny, and now that you've based your whole game around this something funny, no one likes it anymore. Well, isn't it sort of like uh, precipitously dangerous? I mean, can't you envision? <clears throat> I mean, it, majority really isn't that important to me when it comes to art and design. Um, I play video games typically for their novelty. Right. And the Western development community seems to be in, aside from indie games, seems to be in a race of iteration to sort of create the perfect game. And what's kind of like frightening about the way when you read reviews, Western game reviews from Western game reviewers, um, you know, some of these reviewers are, <laughs> are ridiculously critical. And yeah. it's, it's, it's understandable. But they're just ridiculously critical. It's almost as if they are game designers themselves. And without... I know that feeling, you know? I don't know code, but I feel I have as good a grasp on game design and what is good game design as anyone else. But I think it's really breeding this same game that's being put out (laughs) everywhere. Or, you know, what happens is... I mean, it really... It seems to me like every year it occurs more frequently that game reviewers end up 
discussing a game that came out and relating it to the audience by saying, oh, it's like that game and that game last year put into one. Yeah, it seems to be like it's an ever-increasing list of take the this from that game, take this mechanic from game Y and this mechanic from game Z, Sure, and, and, and you have this game. Is that based on... Now, here's the question. Is that based on how smart the mechanic is or how much the game's hold? Oh, right. Is yeah. it? Like, I, I don't know. I see what, yeah. No, but I, yeah. I don't and know if either. If it's based either. on how smart because the Because, like we discussed, is? Viking has mechanics in it that are in God of War 3. But, but no, one no one will ever say this is just like Viking. Exactly. So, I don't know. It's just, it's it's a weird situation where I, I don't necessarily think that I don't know. My, my view on games, I, I come from a... My perspective is to treat them more as art than a product. And coming from that perspective, it's hard to see them treated as such a product because I think it's it's just eating away at the uh, novelty of them in general. So this, this, uh, this idea that 5% of people finish titles, finish games, and I guess when you say fin... When people are... When we're, now, when we're discussing finish game... I'm assuming that John Davison meant you completed the game as the studio intended you to complete it. You got to the ending, or you... whatever. You hit yeah. the logical conclusion of your experience with the game. Um, do you think that is a product of... Do you think that's representative of people who have played games their whole life? That there's now there's a gap widening between game makers and game players? and game makers need to adapt to these the, the new taste in game players or do you think that that is indicative of the fact that games have grown so big that that 5% is still that's the core for the most part and all of these people that have jumped on since the PlayStation made it cool to play video games the PS2 made it even cooler to play video games and have a DVD player in your home and you know the Xbox 360 revolutionized the way people play games online yeah and the Wii has now brought in countless people into the fold who may have gone from the Wii to another console once they found out that they actually like video games more than they thought. Mm -hmm. Do you think... As they were saying, if it's you probably more the latter. If you... You know, and the only the only good visual I can think of is if you had a... It's <laughs> really dumb. But a lemon meringue pie and you scooped off the entire top layer of meringue. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the ninety five percent that don't finish games, mm -hmm. and the five percent remaining is those that do. Do you think that game makers need to start changing their games, or do you think that the game industry just needs to shrink again and become oh, more, I think, I think more focused and hobbyist level? <coughs> well, my view on what's going to happen in the industry is that it's going to merge with movies. Right. You made it. You, you're you're saying it's more like a cell dividing. And yeah, one, well, one I, half of this gaming cell will. I think I think what we view as gaming is going to like spiral into oblivion, into like an ever more insular group of people who like exercising their brains. Like I mean, it'll still be called video games. Some other word needs to come out for this movie game mm -hmm. hybrid that's going to be created. Mm -hmm. But games are going to probably, like I said, spiral into obscurity in the same way that the shmup or the fighter has. That you know there will still be a large audience that gets their kick out of exercising their brains. Right. Which is what I think a game does. Sure. But what's going to make money is going to be that which appeals to the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. As it's always been. Right. And that is going to be an easy game 
Um, not too much of a challenge. Something that's easy to get through. I don't know. And so that's what I see the future of video games being. Um, so, you know, for you and I, it doesn't look too bright. <laughs> but, again, when you consider the fact that uh, there's probably going to be kids making games for us when we're 50 that echo the games that we've played in the 80s yeah. and 90s, and we're going to be able to download them digitally because of digital distribution and pay these kids <laughs> and avoid the entire corporate structure, that doesn't really sound that bad to me. No. It's, uh... It's... I, I sometimes, you know, I like, thank Universe that I exist at a time when everything is becoming possible at once. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um... I won't get shut out. Well, it's like you said that the these the Western game reviewers, uh, the things that they are concerned about, or the things that they feel that they're supposed to be concerned about, echo a structure that promotes <clears throat> making as much money as possible by by catering to the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now you're playing a game that is 14 years old, <laughs> on the that was on the original PlayStation. And I'm assuming you're having fun because you've yet to stop playing it. Right. For the entire evening that we've been here. And, you know, if you're paying a you kid... If you're paying a kid... <laughs> yeah, if you're paying a kid when you're 55, 20 bucks because of some game he made, and if it doesn't look like whatever the best, you know, cine experience there is, then... And it won't, it's, but it's going right. to look better than this. Right. You know? Then it'll still be fun, it'll still be novel, and it'll still be that window into a universe that wouldn't otherwise exist. Had that person not created it? Yeah, most definitely. So. Like, and I'm fine with that because. Right. I know you liked Mass Effect 2, but to me, Mass Effect 2 was. You know what's weird? The longer it's been since I played that game, the less I like it in hindsight. Well, I mean, it's. It, I mean, Mass Effect 2 so so far has been um, the <laughs> the largest case for what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies merging with games with. Very sure. little interaction, and, and you see the the route they took with Mass Effect Two. Mm -hmm. They stripped out a lot of the game, a lot of the yeah. the game, the gameiness right? of the first one. Yeah, but they made the experience a heck of a lot prettier and better for the story. Yeah, and longer and more in depth, and they just fleshed out a lot of parts of the game that weren't the game. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and that's that's the direction that the industry is like really obviously moving, and like Uncharted. It's a really cool experience, but it's not a video game. And we said that when we reviewed it originally, I think. I think that's probably one of the first things, we, or one of the conclusions that we came to. It's a really good thing, but it's not a game. It's a good experience, but it's not a game. No, it's One Step from Heavy Rain, which is a game that uh, I still haven't finished, but I've been making a lot of headway on. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. But but back to Mass Effect 2 really quick. It, uh, the longer I've sat... <clears throat> the longer that game it's been since I played that game because I haven't touched it since I beat it I haven't done any of the DLC which apparently hasn't been very great anyway um, the longer I've I've let that game just sort of sit in my brain and marinate and I've had thoughts come out about it the more it unfortunately starts to represent something that I'm increasingly becoming uh, irritated with or I don't like it just represents something about the way games are going that I don't like anymore yeah, I think that's what it is. Like what you just said is the, the the conclusion of the conclusion of that path is somewhere I don't want to be yeah. a part of when it totally when it happens. So something else that I was thinking about um, was that 
I don't think that it's going to be possible <clears throat> to make games shorter or to change how much depth they have. See, what was weird about that to me is he didn't, and he, he kind of clarified it on, on Weekend Confirmed, and this isn't supposed to be Weekend Confirmed review, but for anybody who's read <laughs> John Davison's article That's from bad. his editorial section on GamePro called uh, Games Are Too Big and Too Hard, he made an appearance on this week's Weekend Confirmed and, and expounded on his ideas a little bit and essentially kind of did a massive rewrite on his whole piece. Yeah, I probably would agree. Um, so if you're if you're interested in hearing the entirety of the discussion about it, feel free to go locate that on the internet. Uh, but what he was saying about length to me is, I think length is increasingly hard to gauge nowadays. Very much like, Why? how long is Jet Moto? How long is Jet Moto the game? Right. Is well, it as long as the first from the first race to the last race? Right. Is it the entire amount of time you spend playing it, which? I mean, you're playing it now, and you played it quite a bit, you know, some months last year. You got really into it for a while. And I played it for you probably it about bunch, four years. And you straight. played it a bunch when you were younger, and you had it originally. Right. You know, so how much time have you put into this game? Is this is this a 60-hour game? Is it right. a one-hour game? Is it a 30-minute game? Right. So it's like, uh, games need to be shorter. Well, I don't think I don't think the length of games even matters anymore. People who want to play long games are going to play the long games. And I, I, I totally agree with Nobody that. Nobody walked into Oblivion thinking it was going to be a four-hour game. You know, Likewise, no one puts in Escalada 2 and gets upset when it's 40 minutes long for, totally one, for one run-through, I think. Well, another thing that he was talking about was he was saying that the future of games, well, the immediate future, is probably going to involve developers spending a lot more time focusing on emergent gameplay as sort of... God, I was, this is where I'm going to, but as sort of like a way around creating actual uh, things. Yeah. Whether they be... Um, whether those things that they are avoiding creating are gameplay mechanics or interesting ideas or... Right. I don't know, 3D environments. Just a way to skimp out, basically. Um, the problem I have with emerging gameplay is that it's not gameplay, I don't think. It's still really cool and fun, but... Um, there are like two kinds of emerging gameplay, which is interesting in itself. Uh, intentional and unintentional, right. right? Which do you think is fun? Unintentional. Exactly. Always. Uh, intentional emerging <clears throat> gameplay is masturbation. It is... I don't know many other things you could fool yourself into doing and still think <laughs> you're doing something. Um, unintentional is interesting for tons of reasons. Intentional, not so much. So I don't really, me, myself, I personally, don't really want to see games going that way, in that direction. Sure. Because it speaks to, to me, it speaks to a lack of vision. And that usually cripples anything. Whether it's a game, a movie, a radio program, a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, differentiating like we just did between unintentional and intentional emergent gameplay. When I hear emergent gameplay, I automatically assume uh, it being of the intentional kind. Sure. And I think when a developer or a view or anybody who has uh, any kind of investment in sounding intelligent and being concerned with saying things that are interesting but not necessarily are true <laughs> or educated, but just something that everyone can nod their heads to and say, yeah, that's a great idea. Because it's so 
it's so encompassing it's like how could you disagree with it right it's like saying I, I'm not a racist like who's gonna disagree with you not <laughs> right. being a racist um, when when a you know develop especially developer or PR people I guess would be most responsible say it has emergent gameplay to me that's shorthand for make your own fun right like we we couldn't think of anything fun for you to do right we just have a bunch of good ideas and we're essentially assuming that when you shake all of those together you're gonna find figure out something awesome yeah um, just cause 2 was like that for me and that's kind of why that game burned out really fast for me once I kind of figured out that I've hit essentially the intellectual limits of what the designers had put into the game you know and I looked I was looking you know figuratively into my into the future of what I would get out of this game and going oh like I'm gonna have to really go out of my way to make something interesting happen now yeah uh like you said, I don't like it. It's it's laziness to me, or it's it's maybe it's not laziness. I shouldn't say that because there's a lot of effort put into coming up with good ideas. I just don't think you like it. I mean, I don't really think that there's another way to. Maybe that's it. You know what I mean? Like, because I just because I spent a lot of time thinking about the exact same thing that you're saying, and I couldn't think of a valid reason. Be- I couldn't think of a valid critique over it because I've had plenty of fun um, in immersion experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, Stupid things in Quake Two. Ton- I mean, think about it. One of our favorite games, Crackdown. Yeah. Has I've done ridiculous things in that. EDF is full of tons. I think there's an entire generation of kids who are growing up and and spending a lot of their time creating in video games, and that's mm-hmm. cool. I mean, like they can spend all that time creating all they want. There's plenty of avenues for them to go. And tons of games offer tons of avenues to create things. I mean, sure. you could spend. I did for a years time. I mean, I made, I made Duke Nukem levels Decal for editor. several years out of middle school. For sure, right. I just... Now I create different things. It got too complicated. So yeah, I started creating in a different way. Yeah. Now I create different things, and so my creativity itch is, is sort of scratched right. in another area of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something that I've yet to see replicated. Um... There's 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 certain game design that's so amazing and well balanced and perfect, and I've yet to see that level of an understanding of the genre be replicated by a community. Yeah. Of the gaming development community, so mods or right. users creating their own things, and that's a big thing for me because gameplay is so important. Right. Um, I'm sure eventually some people are going to be as good at game design as Treasure, for example. Yeah. When that happens, I'll play their games, but right now, I guess I just like my games more directed. I think it's going to be hard for companies to divorce consumers from the idea of value in video games. Um, In other words, I think that it's going to be harder than they think for these companies to make an entire generation of gamers forget just how much they were getting in video games. Right. I think it's going to be a lot harder than they think it's going to be. Um, Because it's a really crude analogy, but, you know, if you went to a restaurant and ordered a $35 meal one day and you got a salad, a soup, side dish, dessert, huge steak, lots of goods, and you came back the next week and ordered the same thing but got a lot less you'd recognize the fact that you got less. Yeah. And you would be upset on a level. Yeah. Um, I really think that's going to happen. 
And I think a lot of people are going to start abandoning major publishers and, and making their own games. And you know what? I, I had the same thought because I was thinking about, you know, we're a lot of people who put their ideas on the internet, like us, uh, talk about you know digital distribution and it's this up and coming thing and it's gonna ha- it's coming and it's coming and it's coming. But I think a lot of them fail to realize how difficult it's gonna be once it gets here, or that something rather significant in the industry will happen for it to take hold finally. Companies will have to fail or there will have to be a massive shift in consumer opinion. Something will Companies have to are hap- most definitely going to fail. Something will have to happen to allow that door to get opened all the way for digital distribution and go, to come in and go, hey, I solved all these I solved all these problems that you're talking about, Ralph. You just adopt this method, it's all going to go away. But there's all these there's all this money and this corporate presence behind controlling that or suppressing that or fighting that that some like some kind of conflict's gonna have to come in and, and rend all that apart. Right, right, right. So I was thinking about exactly kind of what you were saying is there's gonna be a point where let's say next generation, PlayStation four and the Xbox whatever, three come out and X, you know, Microsoft and Sony with a wink and a nod says, "Yeah, totally. We're gonna have every release will be available first day, downloadable, or in the store. You can make whatever choice you want. <laughs> but if you download it, it's still sixty dollars." I think a lot of people are gonna go, "Yeah, I don't think so." You think so? I think a lot enough. Well, I don't or, know. Or, or if you start having things where, if you start having that shift from physical to digital. At least for this generation, like you said, that knows better. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you know, for me personally, I, I think I would bite the bullet just because I re- I understand that eventually that's just gonna how that's how it will be. Maybe uh, maybe that's just kind of a lay down and take it attitude. But I'm just saying, if someone said to you, "Oh, you know, Halo Reach is sixty bucks in a store, but it's also sixty bucks for download," do you think a lot of people would go along with that? It's like you were saying, it's like they recognize they're getting less because they don't get a case, they don't get a disc, they don't get. A I mean, manual. I don't, I don't think a lot of people would go along with it, but the <laughs> the, the benefit, or um, not the benefit, the upper hand that companies have over people is mm. that they last longer, right, than most people do. Yeah. So their strategies can often be extended out well beyond a normal person's lifespan. Yeah. And as with anything frog in a hot plate, it just is a matter of time that's required for even the most absurd transitions to be taken in stride. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, if you don't like it, they'll just wait till you're dead, basically, is what I'm saying. So, I think the only real solution is to dissolve the company <laughs> by some democratic force. I, I don't quite understand what it is or what it's going to be, but there's going to be, or there has to be, a time has to come when companies and are realized for being middlemen yeah. um, in the same way that you don't purchase your CDs at the store anymore. Right. Um, or at all. If you just, or at all, really, yeah. <laughs> um, just follow that trajectory. Apply that trajectory to everything in life. Yeah. Well, I, that I, takes credit for something that is not it. I just look at it as the easiest thing... I think for the average consumer to have as evidence in their in hand as to how unfair it could be is price is money. Yeah. 
you know, asking me to spend the same amount of dollars for what is literally less because I don't have the disc, I don't have the case, I don't have the manual. I technically, by your standards, don't even own this game. Right. That's maybe the most insulting thing. <laughs> I paid $60 for the opportunity to play it for as long as you want to continue to provide me with the opportunity But to how do few so. people understand this sort of thing? And that's the you know last I mean? part. That last part is where it stops because people don't People don't know enough to care about things like DRM. That's exactly yet. it. And maybe, I mean, and it, it'll be quite some time before they do. What do you think about the uh, the EA's Game Pass thing that they're they're planning to roll out? I've heard arguments that make sense for both sides. Right. One being that the company is I, I'm assuming this is what you've heard because that seems to be the bulk. The one being that well the company is free to charge whatever they'd like for the use of a product. Uh huh. And in theory, since that product, unlike things like cars and uh, electronics electronics as opposed to games mm -hmm. uh, games don't degrade over time mm -hmm. you know the data on that disc is always on that disc and it will always work provided the disc is not physically damaged in any way mm -hmm. so you would you, it would see seem logical that EA is free to charge people who didn't pay the full sixty dollars for Madden 2010 an additional ten dollars to have the same opportunity to play it online mm -hmm. because Hey, you're using our servers. You're you're causing the parts in those servers to have additional wear and tear on them. Mm -hmm. Yet you didn't give us any money to play our game. It reminds me of um, the mothers who poison their own children so that they can medicate them and keep them at home. <laughs> because I remember playing a game called Quake Two. Yeah. And um, I actually didn't need to sign into anyone's servers. Right. To use the online portion of the game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but you could host your own games. Yeah. So the argument here for those people who, for some reason or another, feel that they feel that something is just justified just because it makes business sense. There's an entire group of people in the industry who say, yeah, that's justified because it makes proper business sense. Well, I don't understand. Are you working for the company? Are you receiving profits from them? You can't <laughs> use that to justify everything in reality. Yeah. You know, business isn't the end all of humanity. There's more to us than business. But where I was going with that was Microsoft, EA, everyone, all these game makers, you know, they provide a platform that handicaps us. We can't make our own servers. We can't set up our own servers. Yeah. So then they come in and say, hey, no problem. We'll do it for you. Free of charge. And then over time, they come to a point where they say, now we're going to start charging you for that, and you really have no other option because we've already limited you and handicapped you by providing you with a system with less capabilities than that which you used to have. Yeah. Um, this is the typical pattern of <laughs> everything <laughs> in life. <laughs> of uh, It's the same way that businesses and government move through society with their motives. But it's really frustrating to me. Um, I don't think it's justified in any way. To be honest with you, I, I just I don't see the justification in it. the The problem is, unless something affects me personally, I typically tend not to have that strong of an opinion on it, and I yeah. don't really play EA games. 
let alone online. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't come to the point where I've gotten really excited about it one way or another. Now, I made the argument initially that it was good business sense, but then I kept thinking about it and I go, you know, this doesn't really affect me personally. I don't typically buy a lot of EA games, and those that I do are probably going to be an EA game that I bought new. Yeah. Or it's an EA game that I don't have to play online. I don't buy the EA Sports titles. No. Um, so I thought to myself, you know, in theory, this probably will have really little to no bearing on me. And if anything, if I have, if if it comes up that I'm going to have to pay ten dollars to play a game online that I bought used, I'm not going to buy the game. Like right. that'll just turn me off. And it really, it probably won't upset me that much. It's just one more point for me to save my money on something else. Right. And then I thought about all these people that were that are going to go into GameStop, and you know, come to find. Christmas morning 2010 all these used games I bought for my kids for Christmas I have to pay now another $10 for them to play online mm-hmm. um, you know people and their money people are very protective of their money especially when they feel like they've already paid for something mm-hmm. and I feel like overall see I don't know I don't know if a lot of people will identify this $10 thing with EA I don't know how. No, they won't. But you're totally right. It's bad for EA. It, I don't. I don't. Right. I don't know how. I don't know how much of a difference people draw between game uh, publishers, developers, and console manufacturers. Not enough. It's games. That's the problem. Like, who's driving the games industry car right now? A thousand different companies. Right. And they all have different <laughs> ideas about where the car should go. So. Yeah. If you wake up every morning and take the game taxi to your job, and every morning you take that game taxi, the driver gets a little crazy. You start having to put up with more and more shit just to get to work. Eventually, you're just going to quit taking that taxi. Especially if there's this many games being flooded on the market, there's this many platforms being introduced, there's this many ways to pay, there's this many problems with getting what you want and having it last... Right. Systems are breaking down. Everyone needs <laughs> online codes. Used games are disappearing. Yeah. There's four different Nintendo systems. Nintendo's coming out with seven different iterations of the same fucking system over the course of four years. <laughs> like, who does not notice that the mainstream the iPhone, Nintendo... iTouch, iPad. That's what I'm saying, man. Like... PSP. PSP Go. The mainstream generation, <laughs> or the mainstream audience that the gaming industry for the past like 10 years has fostered yeah and has you know helped the industry boom is going to go away has really quite aggressively pursued oh yeah most definitely uh it's going to go away without a shadow of a doubt yeah without a shadow of a doubt i mean i think everything's cyclical and we and i've heard people mention this before that this time in the industry, in a lot of way, mirrors the time right before the game crashed in the 80s, and I think there's a lot more than that, to that than people realize. I just, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that the, I think it's a little slower in the coming because as games have pro- proliferated and sort of snuck into other things, like your phone, you Facebook, play games on a my phone, phone, right? My bathroom, games are everywhere. Why Google's logo. Google's logo. <laughs> There's a video game inside Google's logo. Right. Um, Perfect example. Thanks this week. Uh, I think because that that's how games. I think that's how how we've gotten to this point now is, what can we put games on now? Like what? 
does, you know, can I put a game on that? Does that can that run a game? What does right. that thing do? Right. <laughs> is uh, it's it's a little bit slower to dawn on people just how many fucking avenues there are of where games are coming from. It's a ridiculous amount of avenues. Who the fuck's whereas, gonna go through? Whereas in the eighties, it was a little a little easier to see. You know, nine different companies with four different machines a piece or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little more surreptitious, I guess. It came in a little more like, yeah. I bet you didn't even notice how many fucking things your kid has that they can play games on. Right. But you do now. I mean, there are hobbyists like us. Right. And then there are people who just need to scratch that strategic itch. And yeah. once the people, and those are the mainstream, and once they realize that they can scratch that itch with 20 minutes of Bejeweled Blitz on Facebook, right. not have to pay for it, and they don't have to deal with all of the absurdities of the video game industry, who's going to buy games I, I, anymore? I just think that people are going to... Uh, I keep saying parents, because I, parents are still... I think parents are still a lot the of... Driving the driving maybe. force, monetary, financial force behind gaming mm-hmm. I mean I pay for my own games you would pay for your own games if you had the money to do so etc whatever I think the same thing which is another reason why I don't think that long game theory really makes a lot of sense because yeah but I think a lot of I mean I, I don't think I mean I, I know it's got to be the case that you know basically children still play a lot of video games and the money for those video games comes from their parents and I think this year like you were saying especially the latter half of this year once some of these new ideas have come out, like EA's $10 thing, like Nintendo's new Black Wii. Natal, a move. Right. A 3DS. Especially things like, I think especially things like the 3DS, the Black Wii, I'm not picking on Nintendo, they're just making a lot of dumb moves, and like EA's Game Pass, and things like it. Maybe the move in the Natal, I guess, fall on this category Just too. because they complicate the, the battlefield, right. you know what I mean? They're going to have that moment in their head where they go, Fuck you know, games. I bought this game, and I bought this thing, and now I'm going to pay $10 for that thing, and then, oh my god, how many fucking things have I had to pay money for, for games? Yeah. I'm not buying you any more games. No. And in fact, I'm going to get rid of some of these cons. You know, they have that parent right, right, moment right. where the light clicks on and how much money they've been bleeding for the past four years. And admittedly, that's only one angle of the And when they market. find out that they bought the new black Wii, and every game that you bought on your nice white Wii yeah. doesn't transfer to your black one... Man, I bet a, I I feel like a lot of people are gonna get shafted by that, and they don't even know it. The video games industry right now reminds me of the housing market of 2008. Get in while the getting's good. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, if you look at, you see that Pandora thing launched, or is launching soon? That handheld Pandora thing. Handheld Pandora thing. No. It's like the sequel to the GP32. Oh really? Yeah, it's like a play all. It's like runs on Linux or something, and it play it can like emulate PC old PC games and shit. Does it look it's, interesting? It's, admittedly, it's a hobby. Does that have a good form factor? What's that? Does it have an interesting form factor? Uh, yeah, it looks like a T-Mobile sidekick, but it flips. Weird. It has like a, little, like a keypad on it and stuff. That is weird. But I mean, but admittedly, that's a very hobbyist level thing, and they're probably yeah. not manufacture many of them. Yeah. But it's, it's another thing. I remember for the past few years, I was thinking, wow, there were so many good games released this year. I don't know how next year is going to have more good games. I don't know how they're going to fit them in. next year has no games. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the rate um, it's going. This year, I think, is going to be the last year that we see this many games. Period. There are, there are just Supposedly going to be 500 titles at E3 this right. year. 
over. There are just... But, I mean, Davison said something really interesting. Really interesting. He said that there's really just indie games and giant ti giant titles now. And everything in between, when it hits the market, ends up pretty much tanking. Oh, he means in terms of, like, where the attention is focused? Uh, it's either it's sold, I guess. I, th I think he was talking about how much money... I mean, in terms of how much money the end, the end product makes. Sure, okay. Um, because, I, and I think, by by reason of that is that's where eyes are looking. Right. Everyone's yeah, yeah. looking at what the next sure. great indie game is. And everyone's, everyone's waiting for Super Meat Boy and Fez. Right. Well, when you say that there's going to be over 500 titles at E3, I see about 480 titles that are going to tank. And Most likely. All of that money being invested into all of those properties um, is going to go nowhere. And I don't think it's going to take many investors long to <laughs> consider that a bad thing. Yeah. And... Even even this past week, even this past week, I was thinking to myself. Somebody made mention uh, on a thread in Gaff about, man, I can't believe something about like split second. Blur has had an official thread for a while on Gaff, uh, probably at least since around the beta first started going out. Uh -huh. Because every major game release gets like an official thread on Gaff of like direct all of your gobbledygook here. Uh -huh. Don't spam up the thread the forum with like four different threads. Um, Split Second didn't get an official thread until the day before it came out. And everyone's like, why not? And someone said, I cannot believe this game is only just now getting this thread when Blur has had theirs for so what or whatever. And I, I sort of sat on that for a second and I thought, that's really fucking ridiculous that those two games are coming out within a week of each other. They're going to devour one another. Yeah, that's the point. One's going to it's win and one's going to lose, or they're both going to lose. The market's cannibalizing. It's, it's a ridiculous situation. It's a storm that nobody notices, and it's... I don't know, there's just the same people who I spoke of earlier who feel that they owe something to the business side of the industry, or to the business side of the hobby, are the same people who are viewing the industry with a wide-eyed optimism that I just don't think exists. I mean, I look at the industry and I see a fucking mess. There's <laughs> too many games, too many platforms, too many ways to work around, too many ways to have to work around to get your games, um, too many options, too many products, too little shelf space. Hey man, Anyone? my credit card on PS3 to play this game you're playing right now didn't even work until I put the address in incorrectly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's too many avenues. Sometimes is a bad thing. At least it can be perceived as a bad thing. Sure. I just see a clusterfuck storm we're in the middle of. To find out more about Podcast 1980 X, please direct your web browser to www.podcast1980x.com. Thanks for listening.